into the camera. Welcome, everybody, <laughs> to Divi Chat, another episode. New week, new show, Designing for Conversion. We have some of the most awesome WordPress and Divi experts hanging out with us tonight, and we're going to talk about, um, you know, designing for conversion. Does it matter? Does it not? Should you design or design really not matter to convert? Because there's a, you know, some debate on whether or not we'll talk about that tonight. But before we start, <laughs> before we start chatting, let's meet the laughing lady and meet these other awesome people. Hi, Leslie. Hi, um, I'm Leslie Burnell of A Girl in Her Mac. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a web designer and you can find me at agirlinhermac.design and on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at agirlinhermac. And she refuses to design ugly, no matter <laughs> how much it converts. Just saying. Even if you pay her extra, she won't do it. <laughs> and we're going to switch it up tonight. And I'm going to start with Tim. Hey, Tim. It helps when you unmute your microphone there, buddy. <laughs> nice. I knew I was muted, but I had another window up. Um, hey, everybody. Tim Streifler here. And uh, I am broadcasting from Austin, Texas area in Central Texas. And you can find me online at Divi Life, timstreifler.com, WP the podcast, and of course, Divi Chat. Boom. So glad you're here, Tim. Hey, Josh. Hey, everybody. Josh Hall here. You can find me at joshhall.co. Keeping it short and sweet tonight. Dot co. I just wanted to do that, man. Sorry. <laughs> hey, Corey. How's it going? Sorry, I, I thought you were going to do Leslie. Leslie well, first. Well, she went already, but welcome to the party, Corey. Welcome <laughs> to the party. We're glad to you could join us. She went first, dude. <laughs> that's what I get for that's what I get for reading emails during the uh, the intros. <laughs> I've heard a hundred times. Uh, Corey Jenkins, Aspen Grove Studios, Divi Space, coming at you from Prescott, Arizona. All right, man. Glad to have you here. And of course, I'm David Blackman with Aspen Grove Studios as well. Divi Space as well and WP the Podcast. Glad to be here. And if I look like I'm looking and I'm trying to give you my <laughs> profile, it's because I've changed, <laughs> I've changed my setup and my camera's here, my computer's here, and my monitor's here. So if I'm looking this way, I'm focused on the audience. If I'm looking this way, I'm focused on the group chat. If I'm looking in the middle, I'm focused on you, YouTube. <laughs> um, hey, does anybody want to do a little riff on? This was Tim's topic. He brought it up. So I'm going to let Tim introduce it. Go, Tim. All righty. So this really comes down to landing pages and, and, and funnels. And it can definitely be applied to uh, a WordPress website, a general website, a uh, homepage or any page you're really driving traffic to. But there's a lot of the um, you know famous internet marketing gurus that talk a lot about conversion and, and some, and one in particular, Russell Brunson uh, has, has shown stats where he had a, you know, really crappy, ugly looking um, funnel or landing page that he drove traffic to. And then they had a professional designer design one that looked great, uh, you know, it's really great layout, same content, but, you know, just the design all souped up and the ugly one actually converted better. Um, and other, other uh, internet marketers have said the same thing. And so um, that's kind of the, the question is, you know, can good design actually um, lower conversion? Uh, and so, you know, where, where's that balance? Um, 
and and is it the same for every industry? You know, if you're marketing, uh, you know, supplements, that was one of the companies Russell Brunson talked about in his example, or if you're marketing, you know, websites to your clients, for example, um, you know, where, where, where's that balance? And so, um, yeah, that, that's kind of the, I guess the, the reason for the topic and where it came from. And so, um, I don't think there's a one size fits all answer. And so we'll just kind of discuss it, talk about it and, um, see what our, our live chatters think as well. Well, considering Russell Brunson built a company up to in excess of a hundred million dollars, <laughs> yep. I'd have to say he might know something <laughs> about designing and creating landing pages and stuff. So Leslie has unmuted. So. Oh, know. no, I just I don't know who that is. So. Oh, OK. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he is an online marketer who he's ClickFunnels is who he is, is a company ClickFunnels. And it's specifically okay, designed for conversion. You know, that's what that's what the funnels are. You create a funnel for a product that you're trying to sell. Yeah, or I've seen them. They're, well, they're quite ugly, but well, yeah, they're, <laughs> exactly. They're, they're just. You know, maybe they're not even ugly. They're just, there's nothing special, but, but yeah. Yeah. No. And that's the thing is that they're very plain and that's, yeah. Kind of what they're designed to be practical. Yeah. And so I, I I think a lot of it comes down to, okay, if you get rid of the, the design, you're getting rid of the distractions. All it is is white background text, some images, you know, and there's some formatting and stuff, but there's not really any layout. It's, you know, in terms of, of Divi language, it's a one column layout. Um, and it's just text and you're just scrolling, scrolling, social proof, social proof, you know, video, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, apparently they're supposed to convert really well. But how do we, how do we translate that to other parts of, of web design, not just for funnels and landing pages? And um, yeah, I get the principle behind it. I mean, eh, you know, um, copy does convert and it moves. I tend to believe that good design can too, because it, you know, it, it moves me. Um, so I'm one of those people who's kind of anal about design and I would rather throw something up that looks really nice and have really good copy that converts. Uh, I may have to build an ugly landing page just to see which one does better. And if it does better, I'm all about the, you know, well, <laughs> well and it's, it's tricky, too, because people are either geared towards being visual or being more content oriented. So I feel like the majority of people are visual, which is why those those kind of blank pages or those really basic text driven pages are so risky, in my opinion, just because if there's too much text, somebody visual is going to be off it really quickly. But there are people, lawyers and other accountants, people like that who dive into words. Like I have some clients who nitpick every little word and they didn't even, they don't even comment about the design. They're just like, okay, yeah, here's some spelling that I noticed was, you know, mistaken. So it's kind of one of those tricky things. So I think a lot of it has to do with your demographic as well, as far as who is going to be ordering that product. Is it a landing page for, you know, a, um, you know, attorneys or something like that, or is it something more visual creative? So uh, that's something I consider with all of my builds as well. Yeah. I, I think like your current brand reputation has something to do with it. If, if you're a brand new company offering a new product, nobody knows who you are and you put out the super plain sales page and people are like, okay, who's this person? What are they offering? And why does this page look absolutely terrible? 
I, I don't know that it's going to immediately convert on, on a new product. Um, now, if, if you're somebody out there working with like a, um, you know, 50,000 person email list and you're trying to get, uh, you know, maybe get your website users to convert on a, on a product and they're already familiar with their brand. In, in that case, be a, a really simple landing page uh, working. But, you know, for me, if it was like a new product, I'm going out on a limb purchasing it. I know nothing about the company. A uh, poorly designed page is going to kind of kind of turn me off and and just make them seem less uh, reputable in my mind. Yeah, I um well, Josh kind of st started bringing this up about the demographic, and I I was thinking about this yesterday because as a designer, um, it bothers me if bad design converts better. So you know, I was thinking about it, and for me, I think the biggest thing is, is the demographic, specifically the age group, because. To me, like, I don't know, I, I could see like the middle age and up people being more used to um, the uglier, the older style of sites. Okay. And they were, they tended to be uglier, um, not as old as like GeoCities or anything like that, but, <clears throat> but, you know, just kind of plain design, very text heavy. And no I think psychologically, yeah. No <laughs> and I think psychologically, it's, it's safe. For a lot of people, it makes them feel safe at what they're looking at. It seems trustworthy. They've seen this dated look before. Um, maybe they even agree it's ugly, but they recognize it. Um, I think that has a lot to do with people putting people at ease to go ahead and and kind of get that hook. You know, be on the hook for that. Um, I don't know. I just I just think that's a big part of it. That whole demographic and, and age bracket. That's a good call. And I should say too, with typography, if it is an industry or a demographic that's geared towards people who are going to read the content really, really, you know, in detail, you can make you can make type and text look good. I mean, you can design with typography. So I guess I should preface that. But either way, yeah, I think it's it really is demographic and then kind of a mix of visual and content. Because if you do have something that looks great, but there's no call to action, there's no real clear message, that's not going to convert anyone. And vice versa, if you just have eight paragraphs oh, of, you know, with no headings, no formatting or whatever, you're going to lose people immediately. So, yeah, I think it's just kind of a mix, right? Yeah, I, I'm looking at um, Apple, Apple's website, um, particularly the, the page for the, the iPhone 10, And I think they strike a really good balance because... And Apple's known for having great design. Um, you know, they kind of set standards in a lot of ways, um, and they have for decades. But if you look at the iPhone 10 page, it's very minimal. It's really just text and images for the most part. You know, there's no, everything else is white background. There's no, you know, color in any way. Um, and yeah, it's very, very minimal. And I think it's a good balance where it's focused on the content. They want you to, you know, look at the images, you know, it read a little bit of the text, it, you know, it draws you in, it tells the story, it, it you know, promotes the features um, without, you know, being distracted by um, anything else. You know, there's no, there's no web page that's stealing any focus, right? There's no like um, hover effects that are there for any other purpose except for to show the feature. Um, and I, I think sometimes as web designers, we do things just because we like them, you know, adding different effects or, you know, little design things that don't really contribute to the overall purpose of the page. Um, and I think, yeah, Apple is a good example where like there's some cool things on, on the, the page, 
uh, you know, pop-ups and, and different things, but it's all like very focused on the content, if that makes sense. That's a good point. I get, can I ask you all a question? Cause I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this. So Apple, for example, is notorious for having really, really long sales funnel style pages. Like you might have potentially 18, 19, 20 scrolls to get to the bottom. So how do you guys feel about that? Because I generally try to do about three or four and then get to the call to action. How, what are your guys' thoughts? From, from what I read, that's pretty normal in, in um, I don't know. I, I know Shannon was saying like, uh, the longer the better for her clients. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had we've had success with uh, a, a few of our sales pages are longer than average, I, I would say, and we've had success with them. Not to say you can't have a long sales page and then still make sense a few calls to actions uh, in between, but the big the big call to action at the bottom, and we've had some success. I wouldn't say twenty scrolls, but um, you know maybe five to five to six scrolls. Um, yeah, so so not super <laughs> super long. We I thought. think I think it's crazy, but that I don't I don't get clients that need that, and I don't I don't use those myself for for my business. Um, but but based on people who who are in more of the marketing um, industry, that's it seems pretty common to be very long I pages. Think, <laughs> I think you bring up a good point, and I've been kind of quiet this whole time, um, just because I've I've been kind of formula trying to formulate my thoughts around this topic, and <clears throat> because there is a lot of research out there that does say that um, the ugly pages convert better because they're not distracting; they're getting straight to the point and you know, they're just not taking your attention away from it. But I think it comes back to the demographics. Like we said in the beginning, I think that the marketers who are doing these click funnel pages are trying to sell courses and different things that don't really have a whole lot to show other than themselves, or maybe a couple of testimonials from right. people who've completed their courses. Whereas if we launched a product and just put a pet page with nothing but text and didn't show demonstrations of how that product worked and what it could do and and put some design element into that page, I don't think our plugins or, or themes would sell worth a poo-poo. Uh, and that's just my opinion. So I do definitely think that it comes to, uh, it comes down to demographics and what your target is. And I think some landing pages are going to convert better for totally design lists and then some will convert equally well with designed. Go ahead, Tim. You look like you want to talk. Yeah, no, just to jump off of your point, you know, with uh, your products as, as well as my products and all of our products up here, you know, we're selling to um, essentially designers and developers and, you know, people in the, the creative space. So I, I totally agree in that um, in that context with, with our audience, um, yeah, we would not sell anything, you know, with that <laughs> long format, uh, very ugly, plain type of, of landing page. I, I, I totally agree. Um, my my question is, or I guess I wonder, because, you know, some of those like info product type things, David, that you mentioned, um, I mean, there are ways where you could make it look pretty like they, they obviously don't have a lot to show. But if they add, you know, some colored backgrounds and some, you know, subtle background photos like you know what's the psychology behind why that doesn't work you know um you know why why doesn't it because supposedly it converts you know worse you know because have have you know printing up the page which is some you know design you know uh i guess standard web design um 
best practices in terms of what looks good. Apparently that converts worse for, you know, a lot of their demographics. And um, yeah, I, I'm curious why, you know, what's the psychology? Is it just because it's distracting or, or what? I'm sorry. I was distracted by this troll on our live chat. <laughs> oh, is there a troll? Blasting <laughs> the chat with these ridiculous messages. Oh, uh, he's a, pre a preacher scammer. <laughs> a preacher scammer. Uh, what, what was, I'm sorry, Tim, what was the question exactly? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was. You're going to have to say all that stuff over. All right. So I heard we you, Tim. Partying, I don't have the live chat. Uh, to, to agree with David's point about. It, I mean, it makes total sense that, you know, all of us up here have have Divi products. And so we're selling to designers and, and developers and people building websites in the creative space. So it makes sense that if we have a really ugly landing page, it's not going to convert well. But what about people in other niches? You know, what's the psychology behind why adding in some, you know, standard web design principles of what looks good? Why does that make it convert worse? Is it just because it's distracting and it, it's not as focused on the content? You know, what's the psychology there? I, I don't know. I'm I'm not expecting anyone to have the answer. Yeah. But. I guess. Yeah. I mean, maybe potentially color and, you know, animations and things like that. Could, though for us as designers, I'm speaking as a diner, designer, I like that because it can kind of bring the most important information to the forefront or it can kind of accent something. But I suppose that could be a deterrent for some people. Um Wow, I don't know. That's a well, tricky you know, one for sure. As silly as it sounds, like we, like for instance, when I go on a site and audio comes on automatically, it's it's closed, right? I, maybe I'll go if I really need to see it. Maybe I'll try later. But um, I think unless that's a song you like. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think people are. It may sound silly, but I think if somebody were to open something and and see, um, you know, a hot pink in the logo, I don't like that. You know, you just never know what will turn a person off from from anything. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's got to be a real mixed bag. I'm sure there's got to be a lot of testing. And that's where that demographic is so yeah. important. Yeah, you know? that's a very good point, Leslie. You actually bring up a very good point there. Maybe that's what it is, is, is because the audience is so broad, potentially. Yeah. I mean, we're all pretty fickle sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what might offend one person, might not offend another person. So neutral bland is better to appeal to the masses. That That's a. Yeah. It, it, maybe if they think something's like overly feminine or overly masculine, it's not a fit for what they're, what they're looking for. If the design's a little too intensive on that. That's, yeah. I, if they see the I, pink, they, they think, okay, okay, this isn't for for men or, you know, vice versa, that that might be some hidden psychology there. That's a great point all around. And I think that's a good encouragement for folks who are new to web design, or maybe you're just getting into the web design game is that if you do, if you're working with an industry or a client that has a broad spectrum of potential customers, it is probably good to keep things a little bit more neutral as opposed to like last year I worked with a steel company. So they wanted industrial fonts, you know, industrial dark look. They like the black background, that kind of stuff. But I was working with a realtor and they work with everyone, the full gamut, younger folks, older folks, you know, what all different types of people. So we went, I, and unintentionally, I kind of did that one as a more middle ground um, kind of brand. But that's probably a good rule of thumb, I think, to to kind of live by when designing sites is if it is 
If it's a key demographic, you could probably go the extra mile and go a little more vibrant towards whatever style they like. But if it's something that's appealing to the masses, maybe keep things a little bit more streamlined and a little more, uh, you know, broad. Yeah. And I think those marketers that put out those statistics about ugly landing pages convert better than, you know, um, designed landing pages. Most of the ones I hear saying that are the ones that aren't really productizing other than courses. Like how can I, I'm going to help make you rich online. Let me show you how to make money online. And, um, you know, not like tangible products. Well, and, stuff. and even even the ones who you know are maybe the more reputable ones, um, but still maybe don't have such nice sites and they convert well. Maybe their demographic has the money to spend. You know, if they're targeting to fifty-year-olds who do have the income to enroll in their course or buy their product, um, you know, they're they're not going to have something that's going to cater to a twenty-something-year-old who probably is going to be very serious about what they're offering. You know what I mean? So. Um, forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> well, to back that up, like this just happened a couple of weeks ago. I have a photography client that does really high-end photography here in Columbus. So they do like senior photos and family photos and stuff like that. But those aren't the people who are paying the bills. The, the high school senior is not the one actually going yeah. on the site. And it is their parents who are going to be in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. So they asked about redesigning the site to like this real kind of modern, like not too many call to actions with the with the menu on the left and a lot of animations and all this stuff. And I was like, well, we could do that, but you got to think about your key demographic is, you know, that age range of the 40s, 50s and 60s. Are they going to get confused by this? I think it's really good for them to have that call to action and keep things a little more simplistic in the way of how they can navigate through the site. So that was just a real life example of how that's played out for me recently. Yeah. That's a good point. Boom. Mic drop. Boom. <laughs> Silence. Show's over. <laughs> <laughs> you just made us all speechless, Josh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm over here in the chat chatting with our live viewers. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think some points being brought up uh, today were, were also mentioned in our UI UX um, episode and, we kind of refer to, you know, some of Divi's A-B testing features and, uh, and and some of that. So that, that might be a good episode to kind of listen back to. and um, or, or, you know, we can touch on some of those points again. But uh, well, you, know, you, you can set up <clears throat> Divi, uh, you know, really nice landing page and a very simple landing page. And you can actually A-B test and track things like clicks and, and uh, you know, bounce rates and things like that. Well, and, you know, in, in moving away from just landing pages and going to general web design, you know, for any of the listeners um, who mostly just do that, um, you know, with Divi's all their new features and animations and all the stuff you can do, that comes into play because now you have a, people with a bunch of toys, essentially, and a lot of newcomers tend to throw it all at their first site, you know, and mix everything up and kind of randomize. Um, so, you know, you kind of have to be, it's great to have tools that do this stuff for you. But um, you know, I, I had a professor in college and basically we're always told, edit, edit, edit. You take away, take away, take away until there's still enough to get the message across. It's harder. It's easier said than done. But, um, but you know, with, with Divi's new features comes a more difficult to be restrained, I guess. And, and that was a, like, was it an advertising class? Because I know coming from like a newspaper. Um, graphic, it was my graphic design. Yeah. yeah. Coming from yeah. a newspaper background, all the old school um, newspaper artists that, that we had would always preach white space. Yeah. Uh, 
message, <laughs> white space. And they would always tell us salespeople that, you know, when we're uh, meeting with a client. So I, you know, to me, to me, that is, is kind of, you know, even though it's an old uh, medium, uh, advertising medium, to me, it translates over to, to digital as well. Just Yeah. That's a good point, Leslie, as far as, you know, with so many tools and new animations and things like that at our disposal, it does, you could make things a little too complicated really quick with all this at our fingertips for sure. So that's probably just, that's a good kind of warning to remember, I feel like, to where just because you can do those border effects and the drop shadows and everything else, you don't have to. You don't have to do that. Yeah. That's, yeah. Just because it's everything is there doesn't mean you should put it in your website. <laughs> Old Red Top, we have a new live Ooh. listener, asks a question, and I think it's a great question. He says, when you guys build a child theme, do you take the conversions into consideration or primarily focus on design? And I'm going to say both. Um, client sites, definitely 100%. It's always about conversion. First question that I ask them is, what's the goal of your website? Because whatever the goal of the user's website is should determine the layout and the design of the site. Cause you're going to want to take that customer on a journey. Now, when you're selling products, you're and you have a restaurant theme, for example, a restaurant theme can appeal to many different types of restaurants. So you kind of have to hit on the design element well as the conversion elements. And you can't really hone in on, I don't feel one specific niche because it's as a, as a product producer, you're trying to a, a appeal to the masses because you want to sell as many products as you can. So you try to do the best that you can to make it convert across all spectrums of whatever the theme type is. That's my two cents. Yeah. And, and, and we do have a, a series of child themes that we specifically kept conversion uh, in mind and, and they're, you know, for attorneys, painters, plumbers, they all, they all kind of follow the same design format, but there's, you know, call to action, uh, uh, contact form in the header, and those are very specific to conversion in mind. I, I think some of our other child themes are, uh, you know, a, a little bit more design oriented, but, but they all, uh, you know, if you look at them, they all convert pretty well. Well, and that's a great point, David, too, to where, you said the first thing you ask them is what's the goal of your website. And I've started to do that over the past couple of years too, because yeah, if you design, you know, a homepage and a few sub pages for a client and the focus is call us now, but then they go back and say, actually, we don't even want to get called. We want to get an email through a form. And it's like, oh crap. Well, you know, I didn't plan that out. Well, you might have to completely, you know, rethink your design. So that's a really good point. I think for everyone, particularly for newbies to, Make sure you get those call to actions crystal clear from the client. That way, you know how to design the site and revolve around those call to actions, which, which goes right into to this topic with how you lead, how you take people through that journey and where you want them to end off on. Tim, you're awful quiet over there. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're talking, but you're muted again, man. Yeah, sure. uh, so... Um, <laughs> Apparently, I've never been on a Google Hangouts live chat before. <laughs> um, yeah, getting back to the the, the product question um, from Old Red Top, uh, for me with uh, Royal Commerce, for example, currently the only child theme I have, I spend a lot of time looking at a bunch of uh, 
e-commerce, popular e-commerce stores out there, Amazon, um, another clothing store, I'm totally blanking. They're out of the UK, but they're huge here in the US as well. Um, H&M. No, not H&M. It's an online store. I'm totally blanking. But anyways, I looked at a lot of things because all the big guys out there, especially Amazon, you know, they're testing everything. And so, you know, I modeled my child theme after a lot of those features, right? Because if if the big guys are doing it, then chances are it, it, you know, converts well and, and so forth. And I think you can kind of take that principle to a lot of different things where you can model after, you know, the big companies out there and you can, and that's actually Russell Brunson's uh, big thing is, is funnel hacking and, and modeling after um, other people's, you know, funnel sales pages, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's a good principle to follow for, for starting out. You can look, okay, I'm trying to appeal to this demographic. Well, let's look at other players, people that have been doing this a lot longer. Uh, obviously you don't want to, uh, rip off anybody, copy anybody, but you can model, you know, the layout, the, the, the look and feel, um, you know, is it a, uh, an ugly or is it a, you know, very well designed? Um, you can kind of take cues from there. And then beyond that, uh, it really comes down to, to testing, which, you know, we keep going back to because um, every, every business is going to be different. What converts well for one company may not convert well for another. Um, and then uh, w- one other thing I want to throw out there, um, kind of th- what this whole uh, topic came from was Russell Brunson has a book, 108 proven split test winners. Uh, and he talks about, uh, you know, all the funnels that they've done over the years, changes that they made that made significant differences. And some of them are surprising, like, you know, the ugly versus the pretty, you know, little word changes. Um, so I definitely recommend checking that out. Um, but in the, the video where he's promoting this book, he talks about how, oh, you can take this, apply it to your own store and, you know, you'll see the money pouring in, which I totally disagree with because what, <laughs> what um, works for one company and one industry or even in the same industry might not work for, for someone else. And so right. again, it all kind of comes down to, to testing and, and, you know, trying things out. I kind of have a question on that then. So how, how do you do that? Like if I'm designing a landing page or a front page for a, for a client, for example, would I test that out on them? I, I have always kind of been curious about that. Like, how do people test a development site out? You know, do you t- talk to family and friends? I mean, there's a lot of time that goes into that. If you're going to organize some testers and things like that, do you, I guess I'm just kind of posing that question. How do you guys do that? Cause I've never done that personally. Generally we just wait to see how it goes over with, you know, once it goes live, but do you guys do testing, you know, things like that? Are you talking about testing on a live site, right, Tim? Like a, yeah, I think Josh's question was, is there a way to do that before launching oh. kind of yeah. in the design phase? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've done that before where I've had, you know, family members and stuff kind of go through, you know, the the, the customer journey and, and then, you know, uh, kind of look over their shoulder and see, you know, different things that, you know, if they're getting stuck on or whatever, you know, it'll it'll on a brochure style website, it's kind of hard to, to do. It has to be some sort of, you know, clear goal and watching them get from point A to point B. Um, but yeah, I think for, in most cases it takes traffic and, you know, AB testing software and type of thing. Once the site's live. Yeah. Unless you're like a big company and you can afford to do, uh, you know, bring in like large focus groups and, and uh, do testing. Right. And it's, it's yeah. Like an automotive client's not going to you know, like those commercials <laughs> where they, where they come in and, you know, they're talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those are all 100% not staged. Right. Okay, cool. I was just curious. Yeah, I didn't know if you guys did that or not. 
What else? Is there something really exciting in the live chat or something? <laughs> no, I'm 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 sorry. I'm just uh I'm 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 kind of quiet tonight. I feel like this is a topic that's kind of hard to stretch. Yeah, I got to yeah, be yeah. honest. <laughs> There's only so much you can say about designing or not. I kind of feel like we said it all. Um, you know, to kind of to Josh's point, I mean, we do a lot of A-B testing and stuff on on ads and landing pages and stuff, but we actually do them live. And that's for our own internal purposes. We don't really do them for clients. Um, but, you know, we'll we'll show to one audience one landing page and, and, and totally different landing page or add to another audience. And whichever one converts veterans and stuff. I can't imagine somebody would want to pay for two yeah, websites yeah. to launch them and stuff. It would just be... You know, kind of. I, right. I actually have a client who just asked me if he could do that. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We'll see you in six months. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I do have a question that could keep this going because I kind of we talked about it before we went live, but so the front page of a website for me, for most of my clients, generally what I say to them is that the front page is going to be almost like a condensed version of of their site like all of their major, most important information. And it's kind of a funnel that way. If somebody does go on the website, they just go through the front page. They feel like they know enough to purchase a service or contact them or whatever. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on like the front page of a website? Do you have a particular strategy with all that? Because I generally do that for almost every one of my sites to where it's like the basic about information, the basic services, you know, why and all that good stuff. And then it ends with a strong call to action. I don't know if you guys have a, a similar method yeah. on that. It depends. It depends on the, on the customer and the client and what their goals are and what it is that they're actually trying to achieve. And, um, you know, I meet with most of our, our clients front facing originally and stuff. And I, I've learned quite a bit about the importance of structuring a website, you know, based on the needs of the client and stuff. So, um, I think for the most part, you're right, Josh. I think, you know, a home page is, quote unquote, a landing page. And that's to give as much information about the company as you can and their products or services that they're going to do. And then people kind of dive off into sub pages on a website. If they have a specific need that they're driving people to, then you're probably going to design that page differently. So you you might not go with the typical standard stuff. You know, if there's a one product that the sole purpose of this website is for, it may be structured around gearing them for that for conversion. Yeah, it's so, a good point. Um, I think it just depends on the client. And I think most clients, if you're dealing with small businesses, are going to be kind of kind of what you're talking about and stuff. So, yeah. And it is tricky because I had one a few years ago where it was, I mean, they had a ton of different services. There was not one main, I mean, you could call the main number, which was kind of our main call to action, but the site, the front page was almost a way for them to even just get started into the funnels of different areas they could go to, which had pros and cons. I mean, I, I don't know. They, they got some good conversion, but a lot of people I think felt that like it was confusing because they just didn't know where to start, which is the, the catch 22 with that. Right. Yeah. And uh, to David's point, I think it depends on the, the, the company, the type of website. Um, one, one thing that I found really interesting uh, from Neil Patel, um, and, and um, before I dive into this, I think 
to do this, you have to have an established website where you have analytical data that you can look at. Um, but Neil Patel realized that, hey, my he was saying my website, uh, the homepage was the least visited site of all of his website because he was heavily doing content marketing. And so he was getting a ton of organic traffic coming into all of those blog posts and everything. And so his homepage got, you know, barely any traffic and the the people that or the traffic that was coming into his homepage was people that were already familiar with him and were type, typing in his branded keywords, you know, Neil Patel and, and so forth. And so he decided, okay, I'm going to get rid of a traditional homepage, you know, the landing page, you know, type of format. And instead he just has like a video you know, with a very, very strong call to action to get people to, to opt in, um, you know, for his course or, or whatever it is. Um, and so I thought that was super interesting because a lot of, you know, people kind of have the same type of uh, homepage where it is that landing page. It's a jumping off point to the, you know, the different, uh, you know, paths or, or funnels to the, the different areas of the, the site or service product that you're trying to sell. Um, but I think, if you look at the the data, um, you know, depending on the website, you know, it might tell a different story where like, actually you should do something different. Um, and, and that's just one example. I think there's, you know, other examples that it could be applied as well. That's a good point, Tim. And I know practically if I can talk about how I'm applying this right now as I'm revamping some of my in-transit studio site. And what I've came to the conclusion on is that most people go to my site to either in, inquire about a quote uh, or ask about like the maintenance plan or SEO. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up basically three or four main call to actions on my contact page. But on my homepage, the final call to action will be the contact page. So from the homepage, they'll get to know me, get to know you know some of the recent projects and all that good stuff. And then by the time they get to the bottom, if they want to move forward, they'll click that. Then they have the option to kind of funnel out from there. That way, I, you know, cause a lot of times I, I burnt a lot of time back and forth with email in the past, instead of just having them have a way to kind of go right to a questionnaire to, to fill out a proposal. So that's kind of one practical way I'm, I'm, you know, use, utilizing this right now. I like that. That's awesome. Well, my mic was muted and I had to hurry back cause I was over in the chat again. I was going to be ready this time. Um, <laughs> I, I think Tim made a great point. Again, it comes back to, what the purpose of your site is somebody like Neil Patel, who is a content marketer and all of the people are interested in the content did away with the homepage. Most people would say, have you lost your ever living mind? Yeah. Cause he had the analytics to, to back it up and stuff. And he could see that, you know, it was almost non-existent entry point for his website and stuff. And, and those are important things. Um, Jonathan Doyle asked a couple of what I thought was some really good questions in the chat. Um, he said, maybe we could, you know, give some highlights or examples of what we've done, um, experience or practical examples of some things that we have tried may have worked, may not have worked and stuff. Do we have any, or do you guys have any, I don't want to put you on the spot. So if you don't, it's okay to say, no, I don't have any right now. I'm, you're putting me on the spot. I, right? I already did mine. I'll let somebody else go. Wait, I sorry. Really I haven't really built that. any sites. So. I was... <laughs> I was reading something else. What was the question? <laughs> You're killing me, Tim. You're hey, killing you me, Tim. the same to me like three times. So. I, I, know, I, know, I know. I know. And look, I've still got half of a sentence typed over here that i got to finish typing yeah. out. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, I guess it's not really a um, a you know landing page, but the, I think the site that I've worked on in the past, and, and this was a couple, year, couple of years ago, it's like a winery slash restaurant 
And every now and then I, I go back in and uh, check, you know, I'll, I'll look at my Google Analytics and kind of just look at the different sites, how they're performing. This particular one, I, I have a, uh, a, a, you know, full page header set up and you have two options in the full page header before you scroll and you view their menu or you purchase their mead, which which mead is is honey wine. And you're basically giving them two options upon just landing on your on your website. And that site has something crazy, like a 4% bounce rate. Um, and the, the guy just says it's, you know, it, every time I talk to him, he's, he's a friend of mine. He says it just converts huge. Oh you know, people come <laughs> to a site and they either, they're either going to go to his uh, brick and mortar store, which is downtown Prescott, and go in there and dine and, and uh, you know, have some drinks, or they're going to order the meat and have it delivered to him. So th those are like the only two options they have before they actually scroll. And then they can navigate around the site and get some more information. And and the the navigation is actually hidden before a scroll. So those are like the only things that show initially. But yeah, it's four percent bounce rate is by far the lowest I've I've probably seen on a on a site. So there's no funnel with that, Corey. Like it's just boom, two calls to act, two call to actions. Like you either go here, you go CTAs, here. CTAs, you don't even get the main menu until you scroll. But wow, uh, you know the majority of people going to his site are just going there for those two things. And it's, you know, that is click on it. So uh, for, for him, it works. And uh, it's, it's not probably not the prettiest uh, setup, but yeah, I mean, he's had it like that for over two years now and he doesn't want to change it. So. That kind of reminds me. Um, I don't remember if the conversation took place in one of the Facebook groups or in Slack or what, but I remember someone um, had asked about why landing pages in particular had like no menu or, you know, you were kind of forced to like stay here and choose the options. That's exactly why, you know, they don't, don't want you to have options. We want you to pick yeah, one it's, of those. It's a, you know? it's a squeeze. Um, you wouldn't call it a landing page, but yeah. it's almost like a, like a squeeze page. Uh, you're using mm -hmm. your own page for that. Squeeze page. Interesting. Yes. Write that down, Leslie. Yeah, write that Leslie's down. Writing down <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm ready. <laughs> squeeze. Squeeze. Uh, something that, that I, I <laughs> something I noticed, um, what, in the past, yeah, I, I haven't been taking on many clients lately, but when I do get um, inquiries, I will look at their the terms they use, the jargon they use. Like, for instance, um, when I have somebody who refers to a website as a web page, um, that's going to affect how I think they, they're – what I'm going to do for design-wise. They're Ooh. probably someone who prefers the plane to, you know, crazy stuff. Um, you know, things like that can kind of give you hints of – where this people are, these people are at are internet wise, website wise, design wise. You know what I mean? Yeah. When somebody's group. like, "Hey, hey, Leslie, <laughs> I saw you on the World Wide Web." <laughs> yeah, and they're they're emailing Can you get from more Web two point for me. <laughs> yeah. They're emailing from a at Comcast or at AOL email address. Yeah, but you know, there's there's always little flags that will help you learn about your client. Um, besides just talking to them, obviously. But. So you're telling me I should turn the Hotmail inquiry I got today. <laughs> Away. <laughs> do you guys use Divi split testing by chance on any of your sites? Have you used it before? I haven't. I I, I have before, but not. I, ha I haven't either. I just haven't had the project to do that. Like my like, most of my clients are small to medium sized businesses, and we're just we're not. You know, they're not interested in in that level of you know preliminary work for for the right. majority of their services. Yeah. What what I don't like about Divi split testing is 
you can't test to my knowledge entire pages you can't have here's page right. a, here's page b you can only do you know testing this button versus this button on the same page and then i don't know if you can test you can make the goal like you know here's a landing page and then you know add to cart but the final goal is you know what gets them actually to uh, check out i think you can only do everything's kind of confi confined to the one so page. like a path to purchase yeah, exactly. Like you can say, okay, yeah, this button makes it so they add to cart more, you know, and that has a higher conversion rate, but like, you know, there's drop off and, and whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't really used it much, not because of that, but I just haven't really used it much. And we haven't either. I can answer for us. So sorry, Joan, or maybe not sorry. We answered your question. None of us, <laughs> none of us use the Divi. I, I use it all day long, David. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, is a good, it is a good feature, though. Um, <laughs> I, I've played around with it, uh, but I'd, I'd like to use it a little bit more in a real life situation. But yeah, you know, for those enterprise kind of clients or something where, yeah, like if you're working with a bank or something like that, I can I imagine that's extremely useful for sure. Yeah. And with split testing, you have to have enough traffic. I think it's uh, yeah. to be statistically relevant or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and if not, it's like, okay, this this one converts higher, but is that yeah. just kind of a Four versus five. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, majority, exactly. the majority of people would like to split test in an e-commerce environment. And then you bring in WooCommerce or EDD and then out goes the, the split testing. Exactly. Goes out you know, window, so. That might be a good thing to do internally, though, for, for like our websites. I might do that for a couple of things I'm working on. I might post in the Facebook group and do a poll like, hey, do you like version A or B better? What would you, you know, if you were a client, what would you go with? I, I might consider doing that to help me out and potentially save some time with like that. Those are some great points, team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Corey, I Can't, think you hit the nail on the head why... I'm remembering why I haven't done it is with WooCommerce, you can't use Divi split testing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, or the, EDD. The, the buttons add to cart, everything like that, or, uh, yeah. And the page temp so. PHP. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It would be for, uh, you know, other purposes. I mean, if you had a landing page and then you wanted to track conversions to the product, awesome. But then once they get to the product, you have no idea what, what they're doing unless you kind of set up more advanced, uh, tracking and Google analytics or something. Mm. This Claire had a really good question. It might be a little off topic to this, but when it comes to SEO for like a sales funnel style page, pros and cons, I imagine the more pages you have, you know, if you were to make a one page landing page style site, that could be a three page. What I don't know. I, I honestly, ooh, I don't know. Ooh. I feel like a one page ooh. is probably just as good. Can I take this one? Can I take oh, yeah. this one? John? Go ahead, David. Go ahead. You're, you're, you're the moderator. Go ahead. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Here's what I'm going to say to this. If you've got a brand new site and you have no traffic coming to your website, it doesn't really matter if you've got a one page or a three page. If you've got an existing site that has traffic coming to it, you're going to always want to put those landing pages in that site that gets a lot of heavy traffic. So, for example, um, we were toying with the idea of creating a whole new website for the I'm going to mention it and Corey, you can throw me under the bus, man. And we may even get some questions. It's coming. I promise. SJ had a death in the family. So uh, th things got kind of delayed, but for the CSS course that we, we built an entire LMS and we had, I forget what our Divi 
dot learning or some great URL for, you know, for Divi courses and stuff. And ultimately we ended up deciding to put that LMS on Divi.space itself because of the traffic that Divi.space already has. Instead of trying to build up traffic and an entire new website, it makes a lot more sense to put it over here on a site that you've already got. So I know it doesn't specifically answer your question one page versus three pages. Uh, that I don't think matters if you're starting from scratch. Put a ton of content on it, make it 30 miles long, and you're, you'll yeah, own I, it. Yeah, I, I think as long as that uh, search engine readable content is there, then that's all that matters. It doesn't matter if it's really split up into pages, but have it, uh, you know, your H1s, your H2s, tag everything properly, make sure it's uh, it's readable and formatted properly. Uh, as far as how many pages it goes into, I, I'm not sure how important that is. I'm going yeah. to disagree know, a little bit. Uh, oh, go oh, to, go it's blood pressure's rise. I can't wait to see you in Phoenix, man. <laughs> Corey's going to take a light bulb and just don't, just don't disagree with me on sleeping. Don't disagree with me on stage, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't. I, I think, yeah, you can absolutely rank a one page really well, but um, if you're trying yeah. to rank for for different things, typically SEO best practice yeah. is to have one page per you know topic or you know whatever term and then you build all the content around that keyword and you you know the right headings and everything you know and then the title tag you know for each page and then yeah each each web each page has its own unique purpose rather than trying to cram all of it on on one page and trying to have one page rank for you know a bunch of different types of things um google's really smart but yeah i, I mean we'll like confuse like, them a little bit like for our websites where we have like you know 30 products that that would be extremely ridiculous uh you know maybe it, it, i don't know there's probably a cutoff i'd, I'd say on products maybe like three it, it, like that you'd want to have maybe on a one page I, I don't know but yeah you're, you're right tim it, it would make more sense to have them have the title of the page have a specific landing page um so it kind of depends on what your services are or products. I'm yeah. kind of going through this right now, actually. Go ahead, Tim. Oh, I was just going to say, if it's like a one-page site, you know, and it's the difference between like a one-page site that has everything and then, you know, a homepage, about page, uh, services page, I don't know if that makes too much of a difference um, for SEO purposes because... I don't know. They're all like pretty similar. So in that case, I don't know if it would make a difference. If it's static content, it's not going to make a difference. It's going to always be there. If it's updating, if you're updating it, it's probably going to help. Right. But if there were three completely different things you're trying to rank for, then in it's I static agree. content, yeah. then you would want different pages. Yeah, absolutely. I That's agree. Good point. Good point. Well, I okay, wasn't so thinking that. Go ahead. <laughs> I did um, a, res a site for the dog rescue that I fostered through years ago, one of my first sites. And it's a multi-page site. It's one of uh, a pre-Divi pre theme, one of ET's other themes. And I'm redesigning right now. Um, but it's primarily going to be a one page now because people were only going to the home page and the page that shows all the dogs that are available for adoption, right? So they, they weren't going to their blog. They weren't looking at all their other pages that they weren't reading about their story and all that. So to me, I think it's fine in this case to do that because I'm going to put all this information that people are really going there for on the main page. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I don't recommend it for everything like, like y'all are saying, but in this particular case, I'm going from a multi-page to a one page. Um, and I, I think it'll be fine for them. 
Yeah, Leslie, What's I did the, the URL? same thing. What's the URL? We want to see it, Leslie. No, I'm not going to show you until it's redone. <laughs> it's really old. and No. <laughs> I did the same thing with the barbershop last year. They had like a five-page site, but all of their traffic was on their front page. And honestly, with a barbershop site, they're pretty much just going to want to get the location, yeah, hours, hours right, prices, yeah. maybe the, the team, and then they're going to contact. So that's what we did. We just merged all those, and they're killing it right now with just yeah. a one-page site. So Those barber sites, you know, just cut to the chase. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. good one. I, <laughs> boom. I think there's a lot of instances where, where people will fluff out a site because they think they need to. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, unless it's really good content that you're getting in there to fluff it out with, um, people are going to see past that, first of all. You know, not people aren't all just kind of stupid. And, uh, you know, you, you want to, I don't know, you just want to put quality content in there. Yeah. Don't Don't try to squeeze it out <laughs> well i can't believe it but folks we've pushed this thing almost to an hour Yay. <laughs> Made it. i think it's uh <laughs> time to shut down divi chat my, my my joke ended it right there hey. <laughs> boom, boom. Boom. To the <laughs> do, do we want to continue with traditions and give parting thoughts on Designing for conversion. <laughs> I think we could skip it. Can we skip it on this one? <laughs> I don't oh, know. I was looking forward to everyone's <laughs> final. Okay, do it, do it. Let me, go let ahead, Josh. Go first. Yeah, you go, Josh. All right. Well, my first, okay, I have two final thoughts. One is I can't believe how much Tim looks like Corey Martin from Coldplay right now with his beard. <laughs> Chris Chris Martin. Here. Uh, yeah, Chris Martin. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Chris Martin. Yeah, I was like, man, he really looks like him. Anyway, um, you look like a hybrid between me and him, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Self-awareness, self-awareness, Corey. All right. <laughs> so for real though, my final thought is think about your demographic. Think about who that call to action is for, because that's going to determine pretty much everywhere that website design needs to lead is who is that call to action for and what's your primary call to action. Awesome points. Who's next? I'm going to take volunteers. I'll go. Go. Um, Okay, I guess my final thought, because I, I mentioned the word um, over design in the, in the Facebook post, but we and we did talk about it, just I didn't mention that word, but um, I would just say uh, to have some restraint when you're thinking about design. Um, and, and it is hard to find a balance between something that's interesting looking, but still plain enough to not distract people. Um, I, I would just say continue to take away, take off the stuff you don't need until it still works. Boom. <laughs> There you go. Next. I'll go. Um, I'm going to say check out Russell Brunson's book, 108 Proven Split Test Winners. I, I, it's a freebie for if you like sign up for a free trial of something. Um, but yeah, it's it can be, I'm not saying, you know, use it and, and uh, you know, religiously in all of your designs, but I think it's really informative to show how, the details matter, um, you know, by changing a single word, you know, it can affect conversions drastically or changing a color or, you know, the placement and stuff. Um, and then beyond that, if, if conversions is something that you're, you're measuring, um, you know, very closely, then it all comes down to, to testing. Um, and then my last point would be, um, model after, after the, the, the companies that you know are, are testing every little thing. And again, it might not be the exact right recipe for, for your website and your exact business model, but it can get you, you know, closer um, rather than trying to reinvent the wheel and just try to guess what's going to convert best. That's it. Corey Jenkins. 
<laughs> uh, it never gets old. Um, you know, if something's not working for you uh, and you don't think it's working for you, why not switch it up? If you have a design-oriented landing page and it's not quite working, then switch it over maybe to a simplified landing page. Uh, what do you have to lose if you're not converting anyways, right? Um, uh, but beyond that, I mean, there, there's other factors that go into conversion. What kind of audience are you attracting? Yada, yada, yada. So there's there's a lot of different things. Uh, use some of the other tools at your disposal. If it makes sense to use the Divi AB split testing, then do it. If not, use some other, um, you know, hot jar, I, I don't know, whatever other uh, AB uh, testing type plugins are out there and Google Analytics. But hey, if it's not working for you, then switch it up. Good point. Change it up. Uh, I have a couple of closing thoughts. First one is know your audience. I think you really need to know your audience. And part of the way that you learn about your audience is through doing, you know, conversion testing and stuff, seeing what works and stuff. But you have to have a, a base, a starting point, and a decent idea of what it is that your audience is looking for. Um, so that's really, really important. And I think as you grow online and as your website grows, you start to learn your audience and stuff really well. So that just, just comes with time. Um, the second thing I want to say is to Tim's, one of Tim's parting thoughts. He recommended Russell Brunson's free ebook, you know, to go get it. I'm going to second that, but I'm going to say follow. Watch what comes after if you want to see about conversion. Ooh, yeah. Because you're going to get hit with probably an email within an hour <laughs> and then possibly a second email within three hours <laughs> that bad. And then another email and, and a day after that and potentially more. I don't know how many he has in his sequence, but if you want to learn and see what his conversion looks like on the back end, do that with one email, sign up, don't touch a thing and see what emails come through. Sign up with another email, click something and see what email comes next. And you're going to see exactly, you know, you're going to learn. Like, learn he's got his like workflows, workflows set he's up. Got, he, he's got his funnels. He's got his sequencing. He's got That's a good all, thing of, that, all, all That's of that a good stuff idea. set up. So if you don't want to pay a hundred million dollars to go and, you know, and you want to reverse engineer, I'm kind of a reverse engineer. That's how I learned. WordPress. That's a cool idea. Um, you know, click around, yeah. and try some things. A lot of the initial conversion, that's just the beginning. And a lot of marketers like that, they either break even or sometimes even lose money on that initial, you know, whatever it is, you know, book. Um, and then they make up the money on what they call the back end, all the extra stuff like David talks about the sequencing, you know, signing up for the course, you know, whatever it may be, different right. products. Yeah. yeah, great, great point, David. So, I got to just real quickly, Corey made a great point too, because with the web, you can change things fairly quickly. Whereas if you do a big printed campaign and you send out a hundred thousand <laughs> flyers, you're hoping that call to action works out pretty well for a long time. So that's a good reminder. Thank you, Corey. Flexibility. Yep. Yeah. Uh -huh. Can you A-B test print, uh, print ads, print campaigns? Uh, oh. It's very expensive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You better have some, a fat wallet. Set, set up two different phone numbers or email addresses, but yeah, it's, it's going to cost you. Oh, yeah. Hey, man. Well, thank you all for coming on Divi Chat tonight. Thanks, everybody in the audience. I think Leslie was taking notes. She was writing feverishly. She wrote down 
Squeeze. Oh, I doodle too. I did some trees and some eyeballs. <laughs> she has a notepad and all that says a squeeze. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's on my cable bill, so yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, next week we'll have another great topic. I know we do have Facebook ads coming up somewhere down the line. Um, we will definitely share our best practices and sequence stuff with Facebook ads. So thanks for tuning in, everybody in the live audience. Thanks for tuning in, you guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Later. Take care, Bye. guys.